This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's time for You Better You Bet. We'll give you an edge to beat the spread and so much more. What do we call that? Wagertainment. It's You Better You Bet from BetQL. Hour number three, You Better You Bet. PJ Glasser, Ryan Horvat here with you. We are still on stadium.com with you for the next hour, so make sure you go to watch Stadium. And you can check us out there. Of course, we're still on twitch.tv slash betql and youtube.com backslash odyssey sports as well. Sirius Channel 160 and Sirius XM 205. Ryan, before we went to break, I was giving my thoughts on Steelers and Bills. And I really, I mean, 10's a lot of points. I just worry that, you know, Pittsburgh kind of will keep this thing close early and then Buffalo will sort of break it open late. The total has been flip-flopping all over the place. It opened to like 37, got as low as 35 and a half. Then it went to 36 and a half. Now it's at 36. So it feels like, you know, it's bouncing around like that's a pretty good total. I just kind of want to bet the Steelers in the first quarter. I think they keep it close. Then I want to get out. What, yeah. are, what are your thoughts? Yeah, if I'm going to back the Steelers, it's probably first half. I mean, 10, 10 and a half is pretty tempting just because of the injuries even for Buffalo. Like Gabe Davis dealing with the PCL injury. He hasn't been ruled out yet. He only had two targets in that last game, though. Uh, I do like Shakir a lot, though, man. He caught all six of his targets for 105 yards. They don't have any of his props up yet. I want to mm. look at his receiving yards. Um, and then Rasul Douglas, you know, because they already lost Trey White uh, in their secondary for the season. And I thought that was one of the better pickups, getting him from Green Bay. He's dealing with an injury. I like Buffalo, obviously, in the game. I just, I don't know how much they're going to want to show in this game. We have the weather. We have such a low total, 35 and a half. Um, so, you know, usually if we have a low total like that and I'm getting double digits with a Mike Tomlin team, I'm back in the Steelers, but it's just the injuries. That defense isn't the same, obviously, without TJ Watt, nope. who's out for the year. And I like Alex Highsmith. I like Marcus Golden. They're second and third on the team in sacks, but they have a combined, uh, combined 11 sacks, which is eight less than just Watt had himself. I mean, I think he's the best pass rusher in the league. Agreed. It looks like Mika Fitzpatrick's going to be able to play. He mm -hmm. hasn't played since week 15. Getting him back will be big. But, uh, yeah, it'd probably be first half with Pittsburgh. Here's a game I haven't done anything with yet, though. I have the Buffalo Futures, so I'm just staying away from this one as of right now. Yeah, I uh, I would just take the Steelers in the first quarter. I, the game I feel the least confident about, whether it's it's side or total. I mean, if you want to throw the Bills money line in, like, a parlay or something, give yourself a little extra juice, I think that's a good look. I, I, would, be, I would be stunned if the Steelers win this game and I'd be terrified because then that means they get Baltimore next week and Luke over there is shaking his head and I'd be very nervous I in also, that game. like as shocked as I would be if they won this game I wouldn't because it's Buffalo and um yeah it, it, it's Buffalo so it really wouldn't surprise me and it's yeah. Mike Tomlin and it's the Steelers it would remind me a little bit of a couple years ago not a couple years ago a long time ago now right when Tim Tebow won that playoff game for Denver 
Well, see, yeah, that's true. I mean, because nobody wants to see. No offense, Luke. Nobody wants to see the Steelers team advance in the playoffs. Correct. They're not a very yeah. fun watch. No, they're not. But uh, if you are a big underdog, like Josh Allen's the kind of quarterback that you want to go up against because yeah. you know you're pretty much guaranteed some kind of turnover, which right. is going to help you, right? And then that could easily turn into like three or four turnovers. So you don't want to play against like Mahomes if you're a big favorite or, no. or a big underdog. You don't want to play against like the Niners who are so efficient on offense. Like you want Josh Allen, the high-variance quarterback who, yeah, he could throw five touchdowns and the Bills could win this game by 30. Nobody would be shocked. Or he could have four turnovers and people would be like, yeah, I could see that too. Yeah, I mean, like this is actually probably best-case scenario, as crazy as it sounds. They're double-digit dogs for Pittsburgh because you're going to play in a matchup where you have 25 to 30-mile-per-hour wins. And you have a low total, and you know what you want to do. Najee Harris has been awesome the last three weeks of the season. The offensive line's been a lot better, and you can run on Buffalo. They're 17th in rushing defense, and they're 24th in EPA per rush, 14th in success rate allowed. So you could run the ball on them a little bit. So if the Steelers, like you said, if they're able to take the ball away a couple times, yeah, maybe they are alive in this game, but I can't do it, man. If Mason Rudolph <laughs> wins this game, is he the Steelers' starting quarterback in week one next year? If he wins just this game. Just this game, loses to the Ravens. No, no. Okay. I still think it would be Pickett or else they would move on. I now, don't think you could go into next season with Mason Rudolph. Okay. I, I don't think so. I don't either, but it would certainly be interesting if he ends up winning this game and he's uh, 4-0 since he's taken over as a starter. All right, Ryan, let's get to your Packers against Dallas. We were talking about this game yesterday. Absolutely love it for props. The first thing I looked at, Brandon Aubrey field goals today. I got it yesterday, minus 125. It's up to minus 150 now. So people are thinking yeah. what we're thinking, that Brandon Aubrey, two or more field goals. Absolutely love that. Jordan Love over rushing yards. We talked about that yesterday. Only seven and a half. Really like that. Now you go back and look at Jordan Love's game logs this season. It's like very hit or miss. He'll have some games where he really doesn't run. Then he'll have some games where he'll rush for like 23 yards, 31 yards, something like that. What I like about the seven and a half is he could get that on one run. Yeah. And and he's probably not going to take a knee in this game, right? Because they're probably going to be trailing and he'll have to play catch up. And if they do win this game, he'll probably have to drive him down the field at the end to set up a game-winning field goal or maybe win it with the touchdown. So Jordan Love over seven and a half rushing yards. I really, really like. Uh, CeeDee Lamb's probably going to have a big game. The 96 and a half yards, like that's a lot. That feels about right. I think the guy you were talking about was Jake Ferguson yeah. at 40 and a half. Because, I mean, as you're going to talk about, Joe Barry and the Packers defense, like they, they struggle against tight ends and they like giving up stuff over the middle of the field. Yeah, Joe Barry, the last couple games of the season in the divisional games against Minnesota and against Chicago, the defense was much better. They also they made some adjustments. The Packers, you know, traditionally play a bunch of soft zone. That's what Joe Barry does. And they played more man and they got natural pressure on Justin Fields. I mean, they had four guys with the sack in that game. So you look at that game, you look at the game against Minnesota and you remember, you know, Minnesota's on their third, fourth quarterback of the season. But, man, I just can't get the taste of the Carolina game, the Tampa Bay game. I mean, Tommy DeVito, Baker Mayfield, and Bryce Young had their best games of the season over the last six weeks against that Joe Barry defense. And now you're going against the Cowboys. So I like the C.D. Lamb props, but seven and a half receptions minus 140 is not something I want to do right now. I love Jake Ferguson. I mean, Green Bay struggles against tight ends. Mm -hmm. They struggle against slot receivers. So I'll go with the uh, softer number with Ferguson. I think he gets in the end zone in this game as well. As far like I really like Dallas at six and a half or seven. Anything over a touchdown, though, scares me a little bit just because Green Bay had a clean injury report other than A.J. Dillon didn't practice today. That means they might get Christian Watson back. Mm. Wicks is playing out of his mind right now. They have the youngest wide receiver room in the league, but they're playing pretty damn good right now. 
And that's right now you can move the ball on Dallas, like 27th in success rate since week 12. They're 29th allowed on dropbacks. And Jordan Love's playing his best football. And he's pushing the ball down the field. So maybe Green Bay keeps this game close. I can't make the case for them to win this one unless they take the ball away. And I think Dak's going to play a clean game against that defense. Um, but I do like props a lot in this one. Ryan, I, I think I would probably take Green Bay plus the seven and a half. I had to choose the game. You know everybody's going to have Dallas money line in their parlays, right? They're probably going to put the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Cowboys together in some because people are going to be scared off of the Lions, Eagles, and the Browns-Texans game, right? Because those are like field goal type games. But the big favorites, they're all going to parlay together. You know one of those dogs is going to give one of the favorites a game. I think it's going to be Green Bay. Like, here's the thing about Dallas, right? And we talked about you can't trust them in these big spots. You remember years ago when the Bengals had Andy Dalton and, you know, the knock on Andy and Marvin Lewis and the Bengals, they couldn't win any playoff games. Yeah, they'd win 12 games, 11 games every year, win the division, but then they get bounced right away. Right, and yeah. it was those primetime, like, Monday night games at home where they would always lose in the regular season. 1 o'clock on a Sunday, fine. Dallas, look at them in the regular season this year. When it's the 1 o'clock, 425 games in Dallas, they're great. They're awesome. Put them in prime time, though. Put them in that slot against Seattle on Thursday night at home. Only a six-point win. Put them against Detroit, that Saturday night game at home. Only a one-point win. Probably should have lost. When the lights are bright and Dallas is at home and they play against a competent team, I, I, I can't trust them in big spots, just like you couldn't trust Andy Dalton and the Bengals in big spots. I mean, it's so. a big number now that we uh, crossed the key number. You know, now that we crossed seven, we're sitting there at seven and a half. And, I mean, it reached eight, it touched eight, and then it went right back to seven and a half. I would say Green Bay probably has the coaching advantage as far as head coach LaFleur over Mike McCarthy, but Mike McCarthy's been there more. He has the Super Bowl ring. Um, and then on the defensive side of the ball, though, Dan Quinn has the clear advantage over Joe Barry. I think Joe Barry is the worst defensive coordinator in the league. And I just, I don't know if I trust him to play more man. And I don't know if they have the horses to play more man, right? Like Eric Stokes, probably not going to be available in this game. I like Jair Alexander. He's your shutdown corner, but he hasn't had a really great season. So... It's, I don't know, man. For me, I still, I still, yeah, I think Dallas. I think Dallas is the side. I'm not going to do it at seven and a half. But if that, if that goes back down to seven, I'm probably going to play some Dallas here. All right, Rams and Lions. I know we're all excited oh, for yeah. this one. Stafford's return to Detroit. Lions are minus three. This was minus three, minus 120 yesterday, Ryan. Now it's minus three, minus 115 for the Lions. Feels like everybody's on the Rams in this game. It's not scaring me off. I'd take them plus three. I'd take a money line. I think they win the game. I think they're the better team. The way I look at it, I think both offenses are comparable. Both are elite. Lions and Rams, they can score on anybody. They're really good. I trust the Rams' defense more than I do that Lions' defense. And I trust Sean McVay more as a head coach than I do Dan Campbell. I like Dan Campbell, but I think his aggression can really hurt him at times. McVay's been to two Super Bowls. He's won a Super Bowl with Stafford. They know what it takes. This hostile environment isn't going to rattle them. And Jared Goff, you know, we talk about the aggression with Dan Campbell. Is Jared Goff going to do some uncharacteristic things in a revenge game for him, right? Yeah. Because the Rams basically told you, basically told Jared Goff, we're going to find somebody who we think is better than you. We don't think we can win a Super Bowl with you. Even though Jared Goff took them to a Super Bowl, they basically said, no, we, we want to go find somebody better. So does Jared Goff do some things uncharacteristic? Does he try... And be a little over aggressive. I would worry about that. So uh, I really like the Rams in this game, man. I like all the Puka props. I think this is going to be a Puka kind of game. Yeah. I would also look at Jameer Gibbs anytime touchdown at minus 115 as well. Um, I think it's going to be an awesome game, but I, I really do like the Rams. My favorite bet of the week, plus the three. 
Yeah, and usually this would be a spot, because I feel like I have Jared Goff all figured out, right? You don't like Jared Goff on the road. You don't like him in windy or cold conditions. You don't like him outside of a dome, and you definitely hate Jared Goff if he's going to be under pressure, because that's when uh, he makes some mistakes. He's great from a clean pocket. He's great from play action, and he's great when they're able to run the ball. But, man, I look at this matchup, and since the bye, you know, there's only one offense in the league better than the Los Angeles Rams right now, and it's the San Francisco 49ers. They're second in DVOA, and the Lions' defense hasn't been really good. They could stop the run, and they could get after the quarterback, and, you know, that's when you worry about Matthew Stafford. I know you want him thrown from a clean pocket, but, man, they just have so many weapons. Kyron Williams looks awesome right now. Cooper Cup looks like Cooper Cup again, and then Puka. Um, you know, if it's not for CJ Stroud, he's the rookie of the year. What he's done this season is ridiculous. And also like when I'm betting on these teams, if I'm looking at a dog, like you keep bringing up the giants and Minnesota giants, the second half of the season were on fire and Minnesota was struggling. And I'm looking at teams that are trending in the right direction. The Rams have won seven of their last eight games since that buy their only loss. That was the last time I bet against the Rams. It was the Ravens game and they lost in overtime. They've scored at least 31 points in their last six games. Um, and defensively, like, yeah, you could attack their passing. Uh, you could attack the secondary, but they're pretty good against the run. Like, the last eight weeks of the season, they're top 10 against the run. And the Lions have some injuries. Sam Laporta, Khalif Raymond uh, both got hurt. I don't think either of those guys go. So they might be able to hold their own against Gibbs and Montgomery, stop the run, force Jared Goff to beat them, and that's that's how you beat the Lions. So I like the Rams a lot, even at three. We got some breaking news on the show. What? I, and this is a this is a bomb that I'm about to drop. Nick Saban just retired. Is this real? I, yeah, it is. Chris Lowe? Chris Lowe. And Adam Schefter just quote tweeted it. I am shook right now. Wow. Nick Saban retiring? Now, it, that's that funny because... um crazy. Because, I mean, um, he was clearly outcoached by Harbaugh in the college football playoffs. Yep. But I also think this was his best coaching job, and it's official because I, I just saw it on the bottom line, breaking news. There you go. Alabama head coach Nick Saban Holy is retiring. Crap. Well, do we need, got Mark Drumheller coming up next. Do you need a minute, Paige? Are you going to cry on the air? So Luke Luke just texted me, and he's like, check your phone. He's like messaging. And I was like, so I pulled up my phone, and I'm like, oh, who? I almost did the computer thing. I'm not allowed to do. Who gets that job? Does Dabo leave? I mean, Clemson, you see the recruiting class oh that's coming in right now. Goodness. I've always thought that when uh, when Saban leaves, that Dabo takes over. Man, Nick Saban retiring. I think this I was his best coaching it. job. I agree with you, Ryan. And everybody, like, I talked to around the, uh, you know, all my buddies who follow, like, the program closely, they thought it'd be, like, a couple years. And you didn't think Saban would go out on a loss, right? You thought, obviously, you knew he'd have good teams. That That is stunning. That it is. is stunning. It is. So, man, especially after the COVID year, you know, it felt like people just like Nick Saban almost like miss football, right? Like being in the trenches of it. That's that's insane. Greatest, wow. uh, in my opinion, I'm going to say the GOAT, the greatest college football coach of all time. I'm also shocked. I thought he'd at least be around a couple more years. Um, because like immediately after that game, you know, a lot of the debate talk shows that everything was like, will Nick Saban ever win a national championship? And everybody was answering no. And I was like, are these people crazy? Like this wasn't even a good, it wasn't a great Alabama team. I'd say it was a good Alabama team. I mean, what? that is insane. I, to answer your question, I don't know who's going to take over. I would love D'Amico Ryan's former Bama player. Love what he's doing with the Texans. But that's what about Lane Train? Oh, God. I'm kidding. No, yeah. There's no. no shot. You know, I want Kellen DeBoer. Love him. 
This is insane. Uh, uh, yeah, did, so Nick Saban is retiring. God, who do they even get, Ryan? Because they just lost their defensive coordinator. To, does Bill Belichick go take over Alabama? Is this what happens? Is Saban stepping down because Vrabel got fired, and then he saw his buddy is now, you know, in a little trouble there in New England? Does Belichick take over in Tuscaloosa? Probably not. I don't know, man, because, like, he would have to work year-round, and he's getting older, too. He like, is. that's the difference. Like, in the NFL, yeah. you get an off-season, right? In college football, especially now in college football, you don't. You're on I the do recruiting not, trail. I do not want Lane Kiffin at all. I don't know who I want. Oh, my goodness. Oh, people are calling Pete Carroll. me. My uh, phone's blowing dude, up. I guess this is just ridiculous. I think it's going to be Dabble. Ridiculous. I think he's going to leave Clemson and he's going to take this job. Man, we'll maybe see. They go, maybe they go Tommy Reese, interim head coach. I'm kidding, of course. We'll see. Wow. Mark Nick Drumheller Saban. joins us next. We'll talk about the Nick Saban news and NFL wildcard weekend. You better, you bet. Presented by BetMGM. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Let's get back to You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Well, here Ryan and I were thinking we were going to have a nice, easy day. You know, you better, you bet, presented by BetMGM. And then we get the Pete Carroll news about 10, 15 minutes before the show. Yeah, that's and not so shocking anymore, right? That is just like totally on the back burner right now. And now we get the news that Nick Saban has decided to retire. So the one thing I can take with me, Ryan, is the fact that I did see his last game. So I'll always have that. So that's pretty cool. I think it's going to be Dabo. I think he's going to leave Clemson. I think it makes complete sense. But the move that really makes complete sense, and I know you would hate it, Peach, would be Lane. And everybody's tweeting me about Lane. I don't think he would get Saban's blessing, though. I don't think there's any chance no. that Nick Saban wants. Because I think Nick Saban's obviously going to be involved. Don't you? Or maybe he's not. I don't know. With, with whoever his successor is. But I am... I'm actually shocked. I thought maybe like three, four more years of Nick Saban. Crazy. I know he's getting older, but like look at the coaching job. But it makes sense, man. He was kind of weird this year. I joked during the break. Like he was in a good mood compared to what he usually, like the mood that he's usually in. He was kind of nice. And also there was some like telling things. Remember the Tennessee game? He like did a lap around the stadium after. Yeah. I was wondering like, what's this all about? He's just going to beat him next year anyway. Yeah. Uh, so 17 seasons, seven Thamel just tweeted out that with no likely internal replacements at Alabama, here's a quick projected target list. So you let me know what you think of some of these names. Yeah. Well, obviously Mark Drumheller is going to join us in a bit too. Yeah. And we'll get his thoughts on this. Dan Lanning. Absolutely. Ka- Kalen DeBoer, yes. Washington, Dabo, James Franklin, Penn state, oh, Mike Norvell, Florida state, and Marcus Freeman, your guy at Notre Dame. James Can't Franklin would be like, I- Please, stop. Guy can't win a big game, no. Mike Norvell, I don't want. Now, Dan Lanning and uh, Kellen DeBoer, that does interest me. So we'll see what happens Peach, imagine the James Franklin (laughs) show after uh, a a 20-point loss. Georgia beats him by 40. To Kirby and Georgia? Yeah. He wouldn't be able to handle it, man. I don't don't think he'll be – I don't think he'd be able to handle it. I would love Dan Lanning. Marcus Freeman, you guys could have him, but I don't think there's any chance. Um yeah, we'll talk about this more. Ryan, my, my entire phone is blowing up. Let's get to our guy, yeah. Mike Drumheller, betting, betting analyst for FantasyLife.com, joins us on You Better You Bet. Mark, we were getting ready to talk about the NFL wildcard. Screw the you. NFL. And we will do that in a little bit, but we know that you love college football as much as we do. So your, your instant reaction to the Nick Saban news. 
Yeah, it's sad, right? Because, like, I love college football, and I think anybody that loves the sport loves watching Nick Saban coach year after year. I mean, he's been such a, a prominent force in, in college football. And I thought the job that he did this year was absolutely remarkable, the way he handled Milrow and kind of forced, you know, Milrow to grow and develop, you know, right before our eyes during the season. Um, didn't end, you know, the way that he wanted. But obviously, like, hey, listen, they had Michigan on the ropes more than anybody you know, that played him this year. So uh, I thought he just did an outstanding job when you look at, you know, the roster that he kind of dealt with. But I think that, you know, he realizes that college football isn't what it used to be. And it's changing. It's changing rapidly. And uh, the portal is a big part of that. So, um, you know, I, I just think that he probably felt like it was the right time. Oh, man. It I is, can't believe it's it. It's crazy. Like, it, it, I'm really, I'm shocked. Like, I really am shocked. Yeah, the Pete Carroll stuff, like, yeah, kind of shocking, but he's also getting older. <laughs> All right, uh, not that Saban isn't. Yeah. Mark, the game I got to talk to you about, Philadelphia, Tampa Bay. It was sitting there at two and a half. Now we're at three. The Eagles on the road. Not trending really well right now. Total's 43 and a half. I think I'm going to have to bet the Eagles. I know what they look like right now, man, but I can't make the case for Todd Bowles and Baker Mayfield in the playoffs here. What do you think about this spot on Monday night? Yeah, it's a tough one. This is a real tough one because conventional wisdom is a better tells you. You know, you have a team like Tampa. I think they've covered their last five straight games, right? You know, wins the AFC, uh, the NFC South, which, you know, every year seems like nobody wants to win. Somebody ends up on top. They're there. And then they're playing a Philadelphia Eagles team that just completely fell apart towards the end of the season. Um, you know, they failed to cover six straight games. So usually you see like two streaks like that. And you're automatically like, hey, I'm going to get a great number with Philadelphia. Um, but I don't think you really get a great number here with an Eagles team that is just, you know, I think is completely out of gas. And I think that's the problem. Now, I, me being from Philadelphia, hard to be objective in this spot. But, you know, get a little bit emotional when you talk about your team, right? Especially when they've been performing the way the Eagles have. But I think, you know, from a betting perspective, the way I'm going to target this is, I'm going to play the Tampa Bay offense's team total. I played the Giants team total over last week, you know, against the Eagles. And, you know, you can get it at around 20 and a half. You might have to pay, you know, the minus 120 or whatnot. You know, it depends. The odds are a little bit different. But, you know, targeting that team total, I think, is the way to bet this game. Because, you know, the Eagles defense has just been a disaster, you know, the past month and a half. And it, I don't see that any way it's going to get better. Because you look at the problems that they have, and it's about – them not being able to get the push up front, not being able to get the pass rush, everything that was the foundation of their defense last year, they can't do anymore because they're completely out of gas. And I know that sounds like an excuse and it's, hey, they're pro athletes, they shouldn't be out of gas, but this team's just out of gas. There's nothing left. The, the tank is on E, especially defensively. Um, and I don't think you can change that without rest. And unfortunately, they didn't win enough games down the stretch to earn the rest. So now they find themselves going on the road in the first round of the playoffs. Um, I think that, you know, you look at Mike Evans and, and those guys, like I think Tampa Bay is going to have some success moving the ball. Um, wouldn't even be opposed. Like you can get a real nice price around, the, you know, the 130, 140 range if you play team total over 23 and a half. You know, I might go that that route as well because I think if the Eagles are going to win this game, they're going to have to do it by scoring a lot of points. The offense is going to have to be clicking. And I, I'm not sure that's going to happen against a Todd Bowles defense that likes to bring a lot of pressure. So um, don't want to back the Eagles in this spot. I'd rather fade the Eagles defense. When these two teams played during the season, the Eagles defensive line was why they won that football game. And unfortunately, they're not the same defensive line now. They're out of gas. They have no push left. So um, I'm interested as a fan to see it, but is it better? 
probably going to end up on you know betting on Tampa's uh, team total over playing their offense in this one. Mark, do you think Sirianni's coaching for his job? I mean, if they lose this game, could you see them making a change? Obviously, we've had a lot of coaching changes already yeah. today. <laughs> Yeah, well, the dynamic in Philadelphia is a little different, right? Uh, you know, Howie Roseman has done a tremendous job, but the front office is involved. You know, like, they, they're not hands-off. And, you know, that was kind of the issue with Peterson. We saw him, you know, them mutually part ways or however they like to, you know, frame it. You know, they they didn't like the coaching decisions that he had made, and they, you know, had recommendations, and, you know, they ended up mutually parting ways. So I think there's going to be some more recommendations, you know, when it comes to the coordinators after the season. And, uh, you know, I think Sirianni will probably, you know, uh, you know, take their advice, you know, as far as like, hey, you know, where they need to improve and stuff. He's still a younger coach, um, but that, that's pretty much how it works here. So I would expect to see Sirianni back, but I expect to see some new coordinators probably on both sides of the ball, definitely on defense, probably on offense as well, because that's been the other big issue. Like outside of them just running out of gas as a team, um, I, I think, you know, the, the change in coordinators going from Steichen you know, a, you know, defensively losing Gannon and then, you know, Brian Johnson and, and you know, Sean Desai and, the, you know, now Matt Patricia. They just haven't been able to get the job done. The game that I keep going back and forth on, Miami, now four and a half point dogs at Arrowhead in Kansas City. There's going to be some weather. Also, the Dolphins have like no pass rush because all their pass rushers are injured. They're going to rely on Melvin Ingram in this game. Total sitting there at 44. What do you like here, if anything, Mark? Yeah, I don't like much. Yeah. I know that's not a good answer, but I don't – I have a hard time laying points with the Chiefs, but I do think they're probably the side. Like, I just think Miami's a team that, you know, you really can't trust to go on the road in this spot. And that's why, like, you know, along with Philadelphia, Miami was one of the teams that really needed home field advantage, needed to win that two seed, you know, so they could get these home games, you know, in the playoffs. Um, but now it's going to be, like, freezing cold weather. If I had to play this game, like, I would probably – play under i mean i think 44 is probably too high if you remember when they had that um when minnesota was playing outdoors remember they had that playoff game against seattle yeah like record you know freezing temperatures end up being like nine six i think it was like blair walsh or whatever you know missed the game winning field goal or whatever for minnesota um you know when it gets that cold when it you know i i don't think that these offenses are going to be able to perform kansas city can't catch the ball when it's 80 degrees and sunny out so i don't know how they're going to do with the freezing cold <laughs> Um, so I would look at under, you know, probably, you know, if it stays around 44, I would definitely play that. But as far as a side, you have to think it's Kansas city, but it just, it just feels rough. Like the season that they had laying points in such a big game like this. Mark, what would you do in Browns and Texans? Ryan and I both kind of like Cleveland. We think though, if it gets to three, maybe you start thinking about taking Houston. It's probably going to be a close game. That comes down the wire, but the Browns have the better defense and, and Flacco's playing great. So where, where are you on this game? Yeah, I like Houston. So I, I know that, again, this is, you know, you get beat over the head all week with the first time quarterback trends and, and all this stuff. But I think CJ Stroud's a guy who is impervious to all that. Like we've seen him play in a huge stage, you know, last week he comes out, you know, throws a bomb for a touchdown first play, right. Uh, you know, in a big game. We saw him against Georgia carve up Kirby Smart's defense for like 400 yards and four touchdowns, you know, would have been a national champion if the kicker, you know, could kick it through the uprights when the ball dropped. So, like, I don't think you can just lump him in with every other rookie in this spot. And, yes, Cleveland, very good defense, right? Not on the road, like 29 points a game they let up. So, I don't I, – I think, you know, when you look at early in the season, I was like, these home road splits don't make sense. 
Let's see if they even out. They haven't evened out. Um, I think when you look at the matchup with Slowick against Jim Schwartz, Jim Schwartz, a guy who had a ton of success, brought us a Super Bowl here in Philadelphia. But when he played more modernized coaches, offensive coaches, he did struggle, right? Now, I don't have data to back that up, but that's just my perception of, you know, when his time was here. But so now he gets Slowick. Now he gets C.J. Stroud. He gets this live Houston team that's, you know, playing with house money. Um, I think it's going to be a little bit tough. I think both teams score here. Um, I would look at Texas's team total, uh, Houston's team total as well. You could probably get that around 23 and a half, 24. I think that's probably um, going to be good. I think he's going to at least score points. Hey, listen, maybe Flacco drops 35-40 on him and Cleveland gets the win. But but I think uh, C.J. Stroud's going to come up big here. So um, I, I, I do like Houston in the contest. Mark Dallas this season, a perfect 8-0 at home. They're 6-2 and against the spread at home, and uh, they're 7.5-point favorites. Opened at uh, 7. We hit 8 for a while there. Total's 50.5 against the Packers. What do you like here? Yeah, and they beat teams by a million points when they're at home. Yep. So, like, what could possibly go wrong with laying the points <laughs> at Dallas, right? And I know I sound like a broken record, but how I'm playing these games, it's going to be a lot of team totals. And I think it's, you know, you play the Dallas team total. I think you can get that. I think it's like 31 and a half. But if you play the alt, like up at like 34 and a half, you can get that at a really good number. I think that makes a ton of sense here. Um, they're going to do whatever they want with this Green Bay defense. And I think if I'm betting the side, I would probably lay it with Dallas just because when you look at Green Bay's offense, you know, Jordan Love, they make explosive plays. They have good young receivers, but they make mistakes too. And on the yep. road in your first playoff game, there's a difference, right? My confidence in C.J. Stroud a little more than it is in Jordan Love playing in this type of environment against this uh, defense that really, you know, thrives on getting takeaways that has Micah Parsons on the other side. So I think you could see the train come off the tracks for Green Bay as the game progresses. So I'll probably lay the points with Dallas, but I think Dallas team total is probably a decent target as well. Yeah, it should be a uh, interesting game. Ryan and I both like a lot of props in that game. Mark, if you had to pick an underdog to win outright this weekend, because it sounds like you, you like a couple. You think Tampa Bay has a chance. You think Houston has a chance. In about two minutes, if you had the most confidence in one of the dogs to win outright, who would you take? Yeah, it's probably the Rams. And I know, I know they're very popular. Everybody loves the Rams, but... You know, when you look at them from week 11, you know, when Williams started coming back, you know, and the offense really started getting rolling, they're third in the NFL in, in, uh, in EPA per play since that time. So I think, you had, you know, they're getting a matchup against a Detroit defense. They can't really make stops. Um, and I think McVay is a guy who's seasoned in this, in this type of spot. It's a lot of pressure on Dan Campbell, who we know – he can get a little emotional, right? He can he can he can let the game get to him at times. So him being at home, I think it's going to be a lot of pressure in his first game. I, I think the Rams, you know, probably the side here. Um, it, it's tough because everybody agrees with you, and you're like, hey man, this, this never goes right, you know. But I do like Houston as well, and I wouldn't I wouldn't be mad at anyone if they took the Bucks, even though I love my Eagles. I think they're going to have to score a lot of points if they're going to win that game. So um, they're really the dogs that I would probably target in this one. Staying away from Miami, Green Bay, you know, can't go in those directions. But there's some teams I think are going to be live. We know we're going to get some upsets. Yeah, we, we most certainly are. It's just going to be interesting to see what happens. Mark Drumheller, betting analyst for FantasyLife.com. Mark, appreciate the time, man. Thanks. Thanks, Mark. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. All right, Ryan. All right, Peach. So um, if I'm you, <laughs> not you, Yeah. if I'm the AD and I'm at Alabama, we make – Two, I make three calls. I make one offer that somebody can't refuse, and it's Dan Lanning. Well, it's Kirby Smart. 
Kirby isn't leaving Georgia, but you make that call. I think Dan Lanning's the second best option. If anybody knows Kirby, it's Saban, and then it's Dan Lanning. Do you really think Saban would have left Bama, though, Dude. if they didn't have a plan under, like, knowing what they were going to do? See, that's why, I mean, like... I think they're getting DeBoer, or I think they're getting Lanning. They certainly could get Dabo, but I think they're getting one of the two. Or They're getting either an Oregon or Washington guy. See, and that's the thing. Like, Dabo's probably not going to adapt. He doesn't want to hit no. the transfer portal. He doesn't... All these guys, like, I feel like all these old guys, nobody wants anything to do with the NIL stuff, obviously, or the transfer portal. But, um... Dude, I would make Dan Lanning an offer he couldn't refuse. The thing is, though, does he leave Oregon now that they're going to the Big Ten and with that recruiting class and with all those transfers that are coming in? I don't know, but that would be the guy that I would want. And do you want to replace a legend? Like, Dan Lanning's got it good right now at Oregon. What about Urban Meyer? Let's just keep talking about this. Let's keep talking. This is crazy. Well, we're going to talk with Isaac Trotter, and I want to ask him about Bama hoops, too, because I want to see what he thinks about that. National College basketball writer for 247 Sports. You better, you bet. P.J. Glasser, Ryan Horvat. Whew. What a day. Yeah. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Let's get back to You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. You better you bet. Presented by BetMGM, PJ Glasser, Ryan Horvat, wrapping up our number three. Ryan, I feel like we've done like a six-hour show up to this point. Oh yeah, by the way, everybody, Kawhi Leonard got paid more money. He's going to be a Clipper for three more years, and uh, Pete Carroll, he, he's gone. He's gone. I thought that he wanted to go away because he's going to be an advisor. Then he was crying at the podium, and he sounds. He said he's not tired. But yep. the biggest news. I mean, I think this is this is probably the best job in college football. What like the last two decades. Because look at, you yeah. have, I mean, I don't know, we'll talk yeah. about this, I know, coming up, but like, Milrose coming back, you have your starting quarterback coming back, as unless crazy, some of these guys maybe flip. As crazy as it is to say, though, like, is it as good as a job as we all perceive? Yes. You're going to have unrealistic expectations. Tons of pressure. Nothing you could ever do can compare to Nick Saban. Ryan, Alex Fasano, our producer, put this in the chat. Guy won seven national titles. He's a five-time SEC Coach of the Year. 129-23 and 23 was his winning percentage. He coached at the school for 16 years and had 23 losses. He won 11 SEC championships. 11 SEC, 11 championships. SEC championships. I believe he made it to the college football playoff when they expanded to four teams eight of the 10 years. Like, there's just, it, it's a great job. It's the best job in college football. But at the same time, all these guys that they're reporting, Dabo Sweeney, who's an Alabama alum, Dan Lanning at Oregon, Kellen DeBoer at Washington, you have it so good at all of these schools like you, you'll just you'll never live up to that. Really quick, you know who you got to feel bad for? Tommy Reese could have just stayed at Notre Dame, and he went to Alabama. <laughs> yeah, there's no chance if like Dan Lanning or any of these. I don't I don't know that anybody's yeah, keeping true. Tommy Reese that's on that true. staff. Do you think maybe Milro? Uh, we'll talk about it. We'll later. talk we, about we it. We got I, yeah. Isaac Trotter <laughs> standing by, national college basketball writer for two four seven sports, joins us here on You Better You Bet. Obviously, Alabama football, Isaac, is a big topic of discussion, but I want to ask you about their basketball team because they were obviously the number one overall seed heading into the tournament last year. Number one offense, according to Ken Palm, but their defense isn't very good this year. They played a brutal non-conference slate. The SEC is a really good league this year. So when you look at Bama hoops this year, where do you see them fitting in amongst some of those other teams in the SEC with the Kentuckys, the Tennessees, the Auburns, those kind of teams? 
Yeah, it's weird because the predictive metrics with Alabama, they they love them. But for me, I just feel like at the end of the day, I, I just think that they're in a second tier in the SEC this year. I think when when you look at Kentucky and what, what they can do offensively and when then you look at Tennessee and their ability to have a little bit of two-way brilliance and Auburn, who's so deep and can kind of beat you with their offense and just so strong inside and then beat you with their guards. Now we're a much improved Denver Jones, Aiden Holloway, Katie Johnson, just got a lot of guys there. I feel like I trust those three teams a whole lot more than Alabama. And so for me, like when I watch Alabama, I know what I'm getting from Mark Sears, but Grant Nelson and Aaron Estrada have been their second and third best players. And I have no idea what to expect every night. And I'm not really sure that Nate Oates does as well. I think there's a little bit of push pull with Aaron Estrada where you need to play him, but sometimes his mistakes drive Nate Oates crazy. And you just see him fling a pass out of bounds and Nate Oates immediately runs to get him and grab him and throw him out, you know, get him on the bench really quick. So it's a very weird team. I think that, you know, they're going to continue to be really high in those predictive metrics because I mean, there is some credence to beating teams the way they beat them, you know, beating teams by 50 is more important than beating teams by 30, but I still like other teams in the SEC just a little bit more. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about that. I usually don't buy into Kentucky this early in the season in January, you know, maybe later on in the season. And I never trust Cal, obviously, once we get to the tourney, but where are you at with this Kentucky team? It's weird. Like you kind of come into the year kind of downing down on them, but some of these late additions have really been huge. You know, Antonio Reeves was a guy who did not want to be there. He wanted to transfer to to enter the portal and to be a graduate transfer, and it just didn't work out for his grades, and he has to come back to Kentucky. And Trey Mitchell was a guy who was on West Virginia until Bob Huggins gets a DUI. And it feels like those two guys coming to the team and being a part of this team have really just like answered the bell for them. And I know that the freshmen are the story, but the the ability to play differently and that these veterans, what, what, what they're doing right now has been a huge, huge win for John Calipari. And, you know, these freshmen are awesome. You know, Rob, Rob Dillingham is maybe the fastest player with the ball in his hands this year, the way that they're playing with tempo, the speed Reed Shepard. I feel like he just doesn't make any mistakes on both ends of the floor. And DJ Wagner is even another guy that has started to play better lately. And I think that Justin Edwards, who was the presumed SEC freshman of the year coming into the season, I think there's going to be a, a time where he starts playing a little bit better and has his like DJ Wagner moment where you start seeing the, the, the guy that you expected in the preseason. So I like this Kentucky team. I mean, you look at some of their futures. I think they're third uh, right now in the SEC. Uh, you know, I think they're plus 470 at a couple different books. Like that, they feel like one of the teams that are in that top tier, and there's a pretty big gap between them and Tennessee and Auburn in the books market. I'm not sure that's necessarily legit because, yes, it's a young team. Yes, we've seen them have some moments where they play like a young team. This is also a team that I think has the highest ceiling of anybody in the SEC. And just it comes back to the way that they're playing differently, these freshmen, and, you know, a, a change in style from John Calipari. And I don't think he's looking back. Yeah, this Kentucky team, as you know, Isaac, they're kind of bugaboo the last couple of years has been shooting, and they got plenty of that on this year's team. I want to ask you about Marquette because obviously one of the top teams in the country coming into the year, so much talent, Kolick and Cam Jones and all that they have in their backcourt. But it's like when I watch Marquette play, it just feels like they're missing something. And ever since Shaka was at VCU, he has struggled in the tournament. Like, are you still high on Marquette moving forward or do you do you have some questions with them? Yeah, I think that at the beginning of the year, I was really, really high on them, thought that they were potentially, you know, one of the top two teams in the Big East. I got a little flack because I picked Creighton over them to win the league, but like, I think it's pretty clear that they're a, sh a score short, right? Like Tyler Kolek can do his thing. Cam Jones can do his thing, but they're really missing that third guy. And a lot of people thought that, 
David Joplin could potentially step into that role. And it's tough when you have to ask him to guard the opposing team's best wing and then have enough energy to play to bring it on the offensive end. That's just not really his game. He hasn't really grown into that yet. Some of their young guys still haven't really asserted themselves as like, hey, I got to be the number three. I think in theory, you know, Oso Iguodaro is supposed to be that guy, but I don't know if he's best suited to be someone you just hand the ball to on the block and say, hey, can you get a 16 and eight tonight? Like that's just not necessarily the best version of him. So this is still a really good team. I think it's a team that's going to make plenty of noise in the Big East. I think that they're not going to beat themselves moving forward. I think they're starting to play a little bit better where they're going to figure themselves out. But if they don't have a third guy emerge, that third score, I, I, I just don't know if we can really trust them to put it together in a big, big run in March because they just it feels like they're one guy short and they just don't have that last little missing firepower link. Like this is a good team. Maybe they get a good draw and they can make a run. But I don't think it's quite as dominant as some of the teams that near the top of the of the country. Yeah, uh, Isaac, I'm look, yeah, I'm looking at tonight's slate and I'm pretty excited. We get seven AP ranked teams on the road at unranked opponents, five of the top nine teams in action tonight. Uh, we get UConn taking on Xavier. Kansas takes on Central Florida. They're hosting their first Big 12 game. Tennessee at Mississippi State. Any upsets that you like tonight? I mean, obviously, winning on the road this season seems to be pretty tough. Yeah, it's been super tough. I, the one game that I've been looking at is North Carolina against NC State. We always know how those type of teams play against each other and those home dogs yep. and, a, and a rivalry spot like that is kind of juicy. But I've been looking at the props market for this game as well, too. I think there's a really interesting one with Armando Baycott over 11 and a half rebounds. The things that I look at from the props perspective is both these teams play fast. You know, NC State's offense does not turn the basketball over. NC or North Carolina's defense doesn't turn people over. So what does that mean? That means a lot of shots. And DJ Burns is probably the guy that most expect Armando Baycott would guard. He's not a stretch five by any means. He's gonna kind of be in the lane. And centers this year have really done well on the on the glass against NC State. Toby Awaka from Tennessee at 12 rebounds in 18 minutes. Keba Njai from Notre Dame hit 11 rebounds in 29 minutes. And then I look back at last year, Baycott got two matchups, same coach, same scheme with Burns in the middle of the floor. 18 rebounds in one game, 14 rebounds in the other game. So I get it's a big, it's a big number. 11 and a half is a big number, but I think this is a really good spot for Baycott to do some work on the glass. Yeah, I like uh, I like both of those plays, Isaac. I want to get your thoughts on uh, some of these mid-major teams, right? Because obviously you're plugged into college basketball, and everybody wants to know who's going to be that team, that FAU, that San Diego State from last year that makes a deep run. We have a game tonight: Indiana State and Drake, two of my favorites that I can't wait to watch. So who are some teams that Right now, people aren't talking about, but, you know, it could be a 12, 13 seed uh, come March Madness time that you think could be a tough out. Man, Indiana State and Drake are two really good teams right there. Those yeah. those coaches, too, I think are, are ones to watch at the, at the at the next coaching carousel. You know, the other team that really stands out from the mid-majors perspective is Grand Canyon. Uh, they get Tyon Grant Foster. Uh, eligible now he's a former number one juco player in the country was expected to potentially be a pro former uh, kansas player but he had you know a heart issue at depaul he missed two years now he's kind of come back and out of nowhere he's playing like one of the best players in the country averaging well over 20 points a game and that's a a roster that bryce drew has put together that's loaded with former power five transfers kind of transferring down so that that's a roster that they don't play in a big time conference but that's a really good team and that's a really really talented team and when you have it an alpha like tyon grant foster that's a big one for for me and then you know another another mid-major team i guess i, I guess we call them a mid-major but they don't feel like it is colorado state you know the mountain west is great this year i yeah. think they have maybe four or five maybe even six teams that could make the ncaa tournament 
and Colorado State, when you have a point guard like Isaiah Stevens and the way that they move the basketball offensively, they play together, one of the highest assist rates. They take a lot of threes. They take great shots. Isaiah Stevens is, may, can probably be the best player on the floor at any time he plays. Those are the type of teams that I like from the mid-major ranks. When you got an alpha that can go toe-to-toe with just about anybody, and Grant, Grant Foster at Grand Canyon has that, and Colorado State has that with Isaiah Stevens. Yeah, I think those are some great calls on those teams. Isaac Trotter, you can follow him on Twitter, at Isaac underscore Trotter, National College Basketball Writer for 247 Sports. Isaac, really appreciate the time, man. Thanks. Thanks, man. Thanks for having us. All right, some good some good stuff there, Ryan. Yeah, uh, I grabbed that big hat rebound prop. That's I was already one. thinking about that anyway. Yeah, That's over 11 and a half yeah, boards. Yeah, that Indiana in. State-Drake game tonight, you know, if you're just like a casual sports fan and you want to watch a good game between mid-major schools, Indiana State and Drake, two really good ones Dude, uh, there. Tonight but, is a tempting, tempting night because, you know, um, I love these ranked teams on the road going against the unranked opponents. I'm going to do it. I hate myself for it. I know we're going to give out our bets, but I'm going to bet Central Florida at seven and a half against Kansas. Oh. I know what you're thinking. I know well, what you're thinking. You know what? Number one and number two went down last night. Houston, Purdue, both lost. We going to get the trifecta? Is Kansas going down? I think they might. And you know I love betting against Kansas because I hate them. I hate Hunter Dickinson. <laughs> and I'm also probably, I hate to do this, I'm going to bet against Wisconsin because they're not at the Kohl Center. I mean, I'm really impressed with them. They have the win over Marquette earlier this year. They're number 15 in the country. Yeah. Going against Ohio State, but... Uh, I like that spot, actually, for the Buckeyes. I think we're going to be going against each other maybe on that one, though, right? I think we are. I like the Badgers tonight. Ohio State, over the last couple years, Holtman's had teams that they've been in these spots where the line's telling you to bet the Buckeyes, and they've cost me so much money. Give me the Badgers on Wisconsin. Power Hour, you better you bet. On the way next, we're going to continue reacting to the Nick Saban news. He has retired from the University of Alabama. We'll be right back with You Better You Bet, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network.